0: Hi, and welcome to the Science of Fiction. Um, If you looked at the schedule, you might have have been expecting this to be a show on etymology, but today instead, it's a show on uh, communication, which, in the words of Ridley Scott, well, to steal his words, shares some DNA with the original. But in fact, doesn't share DNA at all. It shares some some words in a document. Yeah. That's kind of like DNA, I think. No. Uh, Okay, well, geneticists can now all kill me.
1: That is the most overused phrase, though, this shares the DNA. It's like when you buy a car, this car has the DNA of excitement. I'm um, not sure what that means.
0: I mean, it probably has the DNA of the leather of the seats in the car. Yeah, oh, that's true. It's probably got cool. cow DNA. Mm. Oh, cow's exciting. Yeah, mm. but when, when selling a car, I don't think people are looking for the car's bovine nature. Well, if it's resale, I don't want to know what DNA's on the back seat. Mm. Mm. Too early in the evening, I think, <laughs> for that. Um, so t- today, we'll be talking about um, various mediums of communication, so some, some kind of more archaic... Um, some more fantastical and science fictional um, maybe some, some of the ways that people s- uh, subvert people's communications intercept them or do you know, strange and unpredictable things with them um, so if you have your own very favourite uh, I don't know archaic mode of communication which is not a uh, email or text you can use email or text to tell us about it Yes. Um, at any point during the show you can email us on studio at camfm.co.uk or you can use the web form on the, the web player or you can text Cam plus your message to eight zero eight zero nine. Text cost you ten P. Yeah, so um do let us know what you're thinking. Um Yeah, and with that I think we'll lead into one track.
1: CamFM.co.uk on air ninety-seven point two and across Cambridge, your Cam FM.
0: Welcome back to the science of fiction. That was Thinking Loudly by L ten eleven. So, to the uh, listener who um, wrote in to say their favourite me- method of communication is telepathy, can we, can they understand what we're hearing, what we're thinking? Apparently, yes,
1: you could. Yes, uh, though their first comment was, of course, the suggestion that we use plastic cups and
0: string. Which actually I think could be used to replace mo- almost every radio studio. We could, we could just, just get rid of all the technology in here, which, you know... Actually, it's been well-behaved today, but it hasn't always been. And just run loads and loads of strings to every uh, listener around the country and world. But wouldn't cats want to play with it all? Mm, yeah, well, although I spent the last few days cat-sitting, and those cats were really uncooperative at play with anything. Do they like laser pointers? Mm, no, they mostly like sitting... That, that rubbish, cats. So, telepathy. Yeah, well,
1: it was... Yeah. It, um, Have we lost you, mate? Are you just trying to find a way to find the science in telepathy?
0: Well, there isn't much of the way of science of telepathy, is there, really?
1: But Cambridge has the, the, the world-famous Nobel Prize winner Brian David
0: Josephine, who claims it exists. And apparently has hoodwinked various uh, serious institutions about this. Is it hoodwinking if you believe it? Mm, well... But he actually does believe it. He isn't just yeah, he yeah. he so He's just trying to convince he people. He's the, the head fun. of the
1: mind Unific- mind matter unification product, project. So he's an emeritus professor. So he's still hanging around, uh, and we can't, you know, he, he he did some good stuff. The stuff he did was that we got a Nobel Prize for was uh, quite a hardcore bit of physics. Uh, but yeah, he's of so he got obsessed with this idea that uh, basically it's publication bias is covering up all these things like telepathies and parapsychology.
0: Yeah, so apparently he maintains that uh, quantum theory is not a complete picture of nature, even though it's correct in its own domain, which is not a controversial um, yeah. uh, opinion. Um, it sounds like one of these you know, cases where people believe crazy things and use true facts to... They, they, they say things which are true, but are irrelevant to what they're trying to claim.
1: So what it caused a lot of controversy a while ago is he was asked to write something about some stamps for the Royal Mail, and in it he put that quantum mechanics would explain how... Pe- you know, telepathy and his psychic powers and stuff. And of course, quite a lot of physicists got upset by this. But he's not the first physicist to sort of win a Nobel Prize. Well, not the first scientist to win a Nobel Prize and sort of get confused, hence why it's called the Nobel Disease.
0: Oh, after they've had their, their big actual discovery, they want yep. something even bigger. And there's and always.
1: He won it very, very young. Um, so the other one, which is quite famous, Linus Pounding decided that vitamin C could cure everything, including cancer.
0: Hmm. I've, I've seen people claiming that. Um, uh, Cinnamon and honey Can cure almost anything It was in one of these um, You know uh, or- or Organic delis And there was you know a, b- a big list of all the diseases On the wall that uh, Cinnamon and honey could cure Like sore throats Okay I can believe that You know it can probably Relieve that and it, you know, Well it can relieve Not cure Yeah 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 But you know like, re- Relieve symptoms of Blah blah blah, blah. It, it went kind of downhill From there And eventually it got to cancer That like, well Where was this? It's on the wall of a, a Deli In the UK?
1: Yeah That's breaking the cancer act Oh really? There's a law that says You can't claim to cure cancer interesting uh anyway that, that was a
0: well, moment we'll, we'll but 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 if on, if if only this emeritus professor were, were right uh, then uh hanu rayan yami's novel the quantum thief would be uh less fiction um it's it's this novel set on, in set on this planet where everyone wears a uh, a suit which allows them to regu- carefully regulate the, what people can see of them and they sh- share thoughts and so on um and the core premise of the novel re- revolves around people um, subverting that. But they also have this other kind of basically instant messaging in your brain uh, method of communication, which which he calls cupting, Q-U-P-T. Um, I assume that's how you pronounce it. Um, and there's lots of, sort of, everything's made of Q dots and Q this and Q that. And then even the title says Quantum Thief. So I guess he's trying to he's trying to justify uh, that as some kind of quantum theory. Um and so, so, so yeah, they end up using this as as the, as the kind of equivalent of whispering, but uh, a long distance, which, you know, is quite hard to intercept people's whispered conversations. It's, you know, supposedly quite easy to, in- to tap their phones or, in this world, tap their c- encryption key, but much harder if they're whispering or using quantum entanglement to communicate across large distances in- instantaneously.
1: Yeah, so the idea of being able to talk through minds is something that another author, Peter of Hamilton, uses, and he talks about Edenis and Adamus, and Edenus were... Are the people who feel that you ch- can change yourself, and it's about making Eden, where the Adamists were the people who think that Adam is your state same. and it's it's very loose, but that's how I get divided in one of his. Co- oh, as in
0: Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Okay. So no, Adam and Eden. Oh, Adam and Eden. Hey. Uh, so
1: one's talking about the space, and one's talking about the person, and they have the two part fragments of society. Uh, but he did, and he had his idea of this sort. of to message, telepathy, they could send messages between each other if they were Edenists, but the Adamists wouldn't do that level of biological modification. But he had a, before he wrote that, because that's um, his Night Dawns trilogy, his sort of zombie space book, which did very, very well with Trilogy, is he wrote a series of books called uh, well, with a, they called the Greg Mandel series by a lot of people, because that's the main character, and it's about a psychic cop who used to be in the Mindstar Brigade. And the second book in the series is called A Quantum Murder, which actually is amusingly about some off the wall physicist who gets murdered in his house. Oh, so, so,
0: so it's not about a, a, a murder which happens immediately um, and with, with, with very discrete properties,
1: or, or, or uh, dead and alive at the same time. But it does involve the fact that there's someone in the story who can see the future. Hmm. And but what they, he uses is the fact that further in the future you look, the more possibilities there are, the more it diverges. So the person can see m- an, a picture of multiple futures and can just come up with the most probable one so even then there are limitations and the, and the main character also greg Mandel, has the ability to sort of get intuition about what's happening but he is not so controlled and in a few cases he can cause people to hallucinate when he's trying to avoid basically getting into a fight
0: uh so 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 this this, this is a way to distract them so he can run away
1: yeah well there's a, there's a great scene in one of them and i can't remember exactly how it's structured but a, the new age of psychic who's got a modified because they've modified the person's brain in this, so he's got a gland or i think the other people have got sort of a technical solution uh Tells Greg Mandel how he's rubbish and outdated and archaic and Greg does something and he goes P- oh, I can tell that's a joke and he can see straight through the deception but then Greg just basically turns around and said, well have you met my pet dragon and the guy just runs off because he it's a double bluff he's basically got this idea with first thing is completely fake and the guy was meant to see through it which knocks down his defences so when he then brings uh, up the big terrifying thing which is actually what he's doing um, and the idea is it, it takes a lot of effort so he can't do this all the time so the books are—he stays very much levelled on the ground.
0: Okay, that, that, that sounds kind of vaguely in the same vein as um, uh, Minority Report, the Tom Cruise movie, where there are three three um, magical psychics and tanks, and they occasionally disagree on what might happen because there are branching possibilities of the future. Yeah, and they see different branches of it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think as soon as you also take a message from the future into the past, the question is that will presumably change what's going on in the future Uh, and it's used in a lot of sci-fi, so it's all the butterfly effect which interestingly brings us on actually to an experiment and I'm still not completely got my head around this, but I understand the basics of it, is that they recently managed to show that it's possible to see the effect before the course, uh, which is just Quite bizarre because what a lot of people don't realise is science actually doesn't realise
0: cause to come before effect. Uh, uh, relativity does, right? So, so, so there are there are there are walks of science in which cause preceding effect is required. Yeah, but that's it's not true of all of all of physics. Yes. Yeah, or-
1: so, and you know, and what some people may not be aware of is, is that parts of quantum mech and parts of uh, special relativity can't, don't work together they both do what they do very well but when we try and make a unified theory we have massive problems uh, when I say we I mean physicists who are much much better at these things than me but this experiment was quite clever so what they did was they um, produced a pair of photons and what's called is the polarisation uh, was entangled and one photon goes to one person who, in standard cryptography, is called Alice, and the other photon is sent to a person called Bob, standard standard B. So,
0: so, for clarity here, these aren't actual people. This is all experimental apparatus.
1: Yes, so Alice a. and Bob are experimental apparatus. And then a second photon from each source also goes to Victor, who's what they've named the third party, which is another detector. And because of the, how far away Victor is, it arrives at him after it's been received by Alice and Bob and they've checked their results. And what's really weird... Is that Alice and Bob collect all their data, whilst Victor can then choose on random photons whether he ignores it or whether he measures it, and depending it's, whether, also where he ignores it or whether he entangles them, basically.
0: Right. So, so, the, so the, there's this concept of quantum entanglement where you take two particles and you perform an operation that I can't, I, I don't understand, and uh, which, which means that even, even when they're take, taken apart, certain properties such as their polarization and spin uh, kept, are kept, kept in, are, are the same. When at the point when you measure them, you, you get, you're guaranteed they're both the same. Yeah,
1: I mean, an overly simplistic way of looking at quantum entanglement is you do something that requires something to be in state A and something to be in state B to, to, to achieve it. Right. So you say there's a hole and if one goes through vertically then the other one has to go through horizontally to fit through at the same time
0: or okay. something like that. That's, it's overly simplistic, but I mean... So, so, so you place constraints on them such that if you can measure one of them you, you know precisely yeah. the corresponding state of the other. Yes. So after Alice and Bob have measured their photons Victor can choose um, whether or not to entangle these two photons. Um, yeah. And it turns out that um, he's able to affect the measurements which Alice and Bob make. After they've made them. Yeah,
1: which I find incredible. Uh, but if this was predicted, and they went and did the experiment and it happened, uh, they are only measuring 14 billionths of a second after Alice and Bob. So, I mean, this is what we're talking about it's machines. It's not people doing this. Um, so there isn't enough time to pass the information back round. And in fact, they say that it's essential that you don't. Um, but I do wonder what will happen when they do that because that is sort of a fundamental paradox, which would be interesting. Well, and I I cannot predict what would happen if you can get that information around the in time.
0: Well, particularly since there have recently been experiments into how, into you know, how best to slow down the movement of light. Oh uh, yeah, we can.
1: I, I don't think it's unfeasible to do that experiment. But I mean, put in perspective, they use just get the delay between the detector, which we're calling Victor, for, and Alice and Bob. That's a hundred and four meter fiber optic. Um, which gives you 14 billionths of a second. So fibre-optic distance alone is not enough to get a really huge distance, but as you say, there are other ways of slowing down light, there are other ways of avoiding detection. Um, We know light goes slower in different
0: materials. So who knows where this will take us? Back at you after this.
1: City. Your station, your Cambridge, your Cam
0: FM. Welcome back to the science of fiction. That was uh, pick up the phone by the Nuttwist or Nuttwist. I can't quite pronounce it. Is it just a day of picking bands you can't pronounce? Um, mm, no. There's only there's, there's 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 two consecutive bands I can't pronounce. But we'll come we'll come back to that. Um, so yeah, that a phone is a pretty obvious means of uh, communication, I guess. I've used one. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think anything which. Almost literally every person carries at least one of is essentially ubiquitous. Um, and I guess the obvi- you carry two. know people who do doesn't that make you a drug dealer? Mm, well, you know, some, some drug dealers carry no phones. It depends on it depends on your dealer's um, motor. Uh, my dealer,
1: my personal dealer.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> do do tell me, or uh, maybe maybe don't. Um, but. Of course, we're referring to *The Wire*, um, everyone's favourite um, TV show, where the central premise appears to be um, wiretaps. Actually, it's not. Um, as anyone who is a fan of the show will tell you, that the, the wiretaps are almost secondary to everyone, and the police. Uh, apart from the police surveillance of drug dealers, is a big part of the of the show. Um, But one of the big uh, arcs over the course of its five series is um, how the dealer's methods of communications change as they realize what tricks the police can use. And how the police's surveillance mechanisms change um, as they realize what's legal and what's not and what's practical and so on and so on. So as it it starts out, the the dealers in a kind of retro twist are using pages um, and they page each other in a special code, which the cops have to crack. Um, so why don't we just use text message? Um, or is g- no reason given? No reason given, other than I suppose the time it's set, when um, ubiquitous cheap um, as you go phones didn't exist. Oh, okay. Uh, whereas pages, I, I think pages were much bigger in the US than they ever were here. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's only it's only the kind of the relatively. Big cheeses in the organisations who get pages, but they you know they get paged a special code and they have to decipher it and then they go to a payphone and use that. Of course, um, if you're always making all your calls from one payphone, uh, pretty easy to um, monitor. And so over the course of the show, they switch to using uh, cheap throwaway mobile phones, uh, which they refer to as burn- burners, which I've heard people referring to cheap throwaway mobile phones as in real life as well now, which is I think good maybe.
1: Throwaway phones. Yeah, yeah. But this is why now, when you buy a phone, they want to know who you are. Oh, really? They, they, I think it's very hard to get, well, a SIM card more than a phone, to, without giving your name and address, and they'll check whether it's genuine, because well, they can be used for so many nefarious means, uh, and they just want to know who owns it. So when something happens on that number, they can just f-
0: track it straight back to you. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, there, there are of course um, reasons which are, uh, reasons other than dealing drugs where you might you might might not want the police to be able to. Uh, track your phone given a warrant? Well,
1: I think the time where it really made it clear they wanted to know who was owning the phones and wasn't was there were some bombings in Spain where they used the two mobile phones as a trigger mechanism. Uh, And what they do is use one to arm and one to set it off because otherwise if someone uh, phones you by accident, uh, things go wrong.
0: Oh, I see. If they they phone you at the uh, the unfortunate moment, so you have to time the two phone calls relative to each other. Well, no,
1: no, you just phone one and that arms and the second one you phone... You just want to make sure that they both have to receive the call. It just reduces the chance of someone saying, uh, "Were well, you sold this insurance incorrectly?" <laughs> uh, and um,
0: and well, were you, well, yeah, well, have you had an accident at work? Yeah, that they, they phone to the bomber <laughs> uh, currently on their way to their targets. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, presumably there's a whole lot more. Like, you don't turn the bomb on until it's there, but you still want to get away safely. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know much about this, to be honest. No,
0: I, I've, I've never been into that kind of into that kind of um, those kind of antics. But the, but the um, one thing I don't, I don't think they ever quite get... They don't, they don't deal with that much in The Wire is um, tracking people using their phones.
1: So I think this is something that's become more and more common recently. As in, I know it was used in court cases a while ago to check whether someone was where they claimed to be when they were, when they were meant to have murdered or had an affair or something like that. Because they do keep the data, and what they can do in theory is by using the cell sites it's connected to, they can triangulate where it is to a certain radius. And the original iPhone, before they added GPS to it, used to do this on Google Maps. And that was its quite a nice way to do it. it, gets you quite an inaccurate result, but it's better than nothing. And 999 calls uh, do this quite a lot. You do have to tell them that you're giving permission to track you. Uh, but as soon as they get something they think is permission to just get hold of your location, they will do it, because it is so much quicker than trying to work out what street you are on a country road because no one ever knows. But what I find interesting is uh, NCIS, for TV show, the, specifically the Los Angeles version, regularly the people, again, they talk about burn phones, but they say they can't track them because they've turned the GPS off. And it doesn't use GPS to do the tracking. Obviously, GPS is what we use when we want to find out where we are and we want an accurate
0: result. Right, but GPS is a passive technology. You can't, yeah. you can't unless you're running software on the phone reporting where it is, turning the GPS off is not going to hinder anyone finding yep. you which is why of course when people steal uh, iphones and other things with um, th- anti-theft mechanisms they do turn the gps off because those things are phoning home yeah as it were
1: as i it mean were. the find my iphone app has interestingly being led to quite a few people getting caught and having stolen a
0: phone which is i guess, I guess it's point
1: um I, th- I don't know if it was meant to solve crime i think it's just for people like me who leave it in the car and then walk away to the office and go where's my phone mm. check on the internet
0: oh it's in the car i'd, I'd always assumed it was a theft thing Can oh you? yeah but I guess absent like, minus is more of my problem with theft but all, all these things kind of show like that people are using these technologies not in the way they were originally intended and people you know sending little clips of videos and so on around which which is Kind of a nice development for those of us who don't really like talking to people um, (laughs) face-to-face at the same time. Why do you think I'm on the radio? (laughs) I can't see the people I'm talking to. That's the whole point. Um, But there was this... um, Now, um, viral marketing is completely normal, I suppose. Well, no one's that surprised by it. But there's um, a novel by William Gibson from about 10 years ago called uh, Pattern Recognition, which... In some of it, like, it, it has a bunch of scenes where, you know, the protagonist checks into her Hotmail account, and there's lots of things which really date it very quickly. Um, but the core premise is that um, she's really obsessed with these tiny clips of, you know, grainy videos which are getting released, um, you know, online by, by well, no, it's not really clear who it is, and there's an online community of people working together on forums to figure out, you know, what these, what these videos mean. Um, and then they, they turn out to be a big viral marketing campaign for a thing. Um, we were
1: talking about um, the marketing... So Google do these adverts where they say solve this problem and you find a website like the 10th root of this number. And, 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 and they're really simple, actually. Did you see the one which... Uh, was it GCHQ or was it MI5 released recently? I did not. It was basically... Th- what you had to do was realise that it was code that you could convert into assembler which would run on an old version of dos on a certain architecture which when you ran then gave you a web link and it was so complicated
0: but of course people on the internet figured out
1: well yeah but they they gave the answer out in a week uh, they really wanted something so i said if you can do this you can be a spy and i was really surprised about the the level of the problem it was because it you know when these things are done by crowdsourcing you know like then when portal 2 came out there was a set of puzzles involving codes on a radio uh, they all work together. But this thing was looking for people who weren't working together. And I reckon it. I, there are very few people, I think, who could have solved that.
0: It's not, it's not clear to me why figuring that out makes you cut out to be a spy. I guess I don't know that much about spies. They might have
1: been looking for a spy of a particular talent. Right. Um, because I don't think MI5 or was it MI6 um, tell you much about what's going on.
0: No. And re- recent um, revelations about nation states writing uh, particular viruses might suggest the kind of reasons that people would, would be hiring like this.
1: True. Uh, one thing that just remind me of is of course you talk about viral marketing. The idea of a, a meme uh, was something that Richard Dawkins put forward in his Selfish Gene book and I find it really interesting. It's this idea of instead of a gene, a bit of uh, something that's spread by culture and ideas rather than expressed by genetics.
0: But Presumably which, which, is, um, which is spread almost as a side effect of people conducting their everyday affairs like no one's setting out to te- to teach people about a meme. Yeah. Um but they but cultures develop certain certain features over time.
1: But I mean I think that I mean a good example is a number of people who know punchlines to jokes which they may never have actually heard by the original person. Like Monty Python is so ingrained in society and it keeps
0: going. And and one that I found like that recently was um proverbs. I I was, I was presented with as part of a you know as as a test subject such as I am sometimes. I was presented presented with a screen full of um, proverbs and asked to exp- asked if I understood what they mean and to explain them. And quite a few of them, a lot of them, I, I, I knew them, and I had to kind of figure out, well, what actually does this mean? I've heard people say this. Do you um, know what swing a cat comes from? Not enough from swing a cat. Is that suitable for the air? Oh, yeah, it's suitable oh. for the air. Uh, uh,
1: it is literally from at um, fairgrounds in the Victorian era. They used to swing cats. and You threw them in the air and someone had to shoot it. Huh. Uh, and that, that's where it comes from is it when it got very crowded affair you couldn't swing a cat at least that's what my book on the origin of proverbs says
0: right but I mean but but you, but you at least know you know that if someone says there's not, not, not enough room to swing a cat it means this is quite a small room yeah but it it's a really odd thing to want to do that's true yeah I,
1: I hadn't, there are plenty of these proverbs where you say you know, why is that even there
0: and yet you have happily speak using them all the time yeah anyway um, we'll be back at you after this Fear is a clear
2: that shuts
1: dot co dot uk your station your
0: cam fm welcome back that was um dial 1800 fear by lally puna who i realized after picking that song uh, share a member with the no who we played before and the, it's another one yeah i played a song called one ghost dance about six months ago um those are the only two songs i know with one in the name but i guess it, it really shows how um as we were talking we were talking about you know Cultural memes. Everyone knows what one eight hundred means, even though I've never dialed it. Yeah, I, I've never had any reason to do so. Also,
1: phone numbers with words in. We don't use that in the UK very often, but it's really common in the US. It seems
0: right. Whereas, whereas this band is from uh, from Munich, I think. You know, they're, they're even further from the US than we are.
1: The other thing is, uh, do you know about the five 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 thing in American phone numbers?
0: Oh, that no number with no number whose middle component is five 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 is real. It, it seems
1: that they. Hollywood basically has a code for numbers which you can just make up.
0: Well, we have a similar thing for uh, police cars here in uh, in TV dramas. There's um a, spe- a special police car code printed on the they, you know they have the numbers on the roof. Yep. That co- there's one code in particular which is used by all the prop police cars. I've also seen that police
1: cars with it was something like prop written across the front of it back when they filmed the bill well that,
0: yeah, that's a little bit more obvious on television though.
1: But I think they just whipped it off at the last moment It must be oh, a magnetic see, thing I see, I see. So someone emailed in uh, questioning that If I was right about where the Cat and Nine Tails came in uh, Sorry, the Swing a Cat came from And was it actually from Not Enough Room on a Boat to Swing a Cat and Nine Tails um, That is another one that came up When I was reading this book The argument against it is apparently Swing a Cat was used before The Cat and Nine Tails was invented um, but like all these things, there's a little bit of who do you want to believe and um, the author of the book picked his favourite theory. And um, there's certainly another possible one, but I think it fairly came down quite heavily on the side of the, um, the cats that fares me swung and shot at. Presumably not with guns, though.
0: Oh, with, with arrows or something. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm impressed that no one's called us out on our, um, really, li- really... Uh, floundering explanation of some of the details of um, quantum mechanics and, you know, entanglements and so on. It's probably because they just didn't understand it. To be fair, yeah. So, yeah, if if anyone would like to write in a one-sentence explanation of what we we failed to explain about well, or maybe we we were very good, we don't know. It was perfect. Always is on this show. As ever, our communication. I I realise this show is actually kind of meta. It's a show about communication on a show about communication. Yes. Good. I'm, yep. glad, I'm, I'm glad we've cleared that clear that up
1: so well, there was a reason you played that song wasn't there
0: um yeah the- it's it's kind of it's kind of at the end of the anecdote though um I, I, re- I realize this um, to you know today we have you know companies issue press releases and it's you know two or three paragraphs of the really good news about the thing they want the thing they want to um, announce um, and then they have you know some frequently asked questions attached to it which typically have the, the questions asked ask the difficult questions and they give kind of Slightly smarmy answers, trying to wheedle away from coming coming right out and saying, "Yes, we're going to delete all your files." For example, which seems to be the standard one. Like, "Congratulations, we've been we've been taken, we've been bought by this enormous company, and our our, our wonderful web service is great." Uh, is it going to shut down? Dot dot dot. Maybe, and then it shuts down almost immediately afterwards. But in various novels um, that I've come across, um, people use kind of low-level artificial intelligence copies of themselves as the message so they want to send you know a letter to someone and have them be able to query them on it they just send a sort of a cut down copy of themselves over so that the person can ask them any questions they have within some some limits
1: so i mean they definitely did that in star trek once they sent through uh berkeley i think his name is the sort of massive ocd personality disordered uh scientist who was just a massive character and i think has a massive following they sent him to voyager when voyager was on the other side of the universe to help him out with something okay um so it's been used in star trek you uh alistair reynolds quite like it as well
0: yeah because in his revelation space series he has the concepts of alpha beta and gamma levels of simula- simulation um of, of a consciousness which have, you know, diff- different levels of completeness and so on and so on. Um, and he, he also used this, I think, in some of the short stories in uh, the Z- Zima Blue series, which I think we mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, but also Ian Banks has used this in one of his novels, The Algebraist, which I'm not the world's biggest fan of. But one of the interesting things there is that this is in a universe where... Um, the establishment really, really hates artificial intelligence. And so it's only extremely grudgingly under very, very, you know, cr- critical military circumstances do they transmit one of these sort of sub-AI, slightly conscious computers which can answer questions. And it's, it's programmed to explain what it is and explain that it's going to just self-destruct at the end and it's surrounded by armed guards and so on in a very sort of literal manifestation of people being afraid. And there we have the link. Um, yeah, uh,
1: by the way, just a correction It's Barclay, not Berkeley If someone, some Star Trek fan complains about which Ensign I was, le- Lieutenant I was talking about not
0: So, so as, as in the bank, not as in the university
1: Not as in the university, yeah Although I think you pronounce the university Barclay I, uh, Do you? Um, You've just confused me Thanks okay. for making that even digger, digger Bigger into a hole, which I can't get out of
0: Good. It's, it's got a vowel there somewhere
1: Yes, but he's a much-loved character, so we don't want to upset people
0: Okay Is he, is he a popular cos- cosplay subject?
1: I've never been to a Star Trek convention where you cosplay. I've never been to a Star Trek convention.
0: I don't, I don't even know where they exist.
1: Oh, I, I I got an email about one the other day. Okay. You must be on all the best mailing list. It was a friend asking if I wanted to go.
0: Okay. Um, I didn't. Okay. Maybe you could take the whole family.
1: Yeah, I, I, and, and dress up the kids in Star Trek. Oh, you, just remind me something. Do you watch Big Bang Theory?
0: I have occasionally watched the book. There's a
1: great bit where um, Sheldon and his g- girlfriend, in inverted commas, um, are playing Doctors and Nurses Star Trek style. And she's I just d- sitting there with a little thing going beep, 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 beep beeping, waving it over him.
0: I see. I'm mm, a little put out by that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have to film it Film with something to t- t- take it away. Mm.
1: fm.co.uk on air ninety-seven point two and across Cambridge, your Cam FM.
0: Welcome back to the science of fiction. That was radio protector by sixty-five days of static. Um, I'm not sure it strictly protected the air, the radio waves there. It, it, it's not. Well, I suppose it, you know, it, it could it could defend them against uh, any other sounds going through them.
1: Glitchy, glitchy, staticky, glitch. Mm, I like radio, I, I like sixty-five. Y- you and your glitches.
0: Yep, me and my glitches. Um, so, um, we, were, we were thinking about some of the many... Well, I was thinking about... You, you haven't read Perdido Street Station? No,
1: I, the only... So, but the only other book I've read... The only book I've read by Melville is um, his City the City.
0: Which is oh, an, an excellent book. Maybe we can come back to that if we're talking about. Um, it
1: does have communication in because they, because the city is on top of the city, you have to still make an international call to the same city
0: because it's a different city. Right, and there's these two. So, so in this novel, there are these two cities which are physically in the same place, but they are separate countries, um, and they they speak ostensibly different languages, um, but they're actually the same language, just you with know, a slight accent difference. And yeah, they have to make an international phone call to people next door if they, if next door happens to be in the other city. Yep via you know telephone operators who might well listen to normal calls yeah because that's the kind of world they live in in order, in, in order to sustain this unsustainable two, two co-located cities I mean it's, it's basically a thought experiment isn't it oh yeah I mean I think it's fair to say that you know a, a lot of Mirville's novels are just you know, you know here is a ridiculous concept let's go with it well you could say all, all the fiction out
1: of interest was he born with the name China for a first name
0: I think his name actually is China Mirville it's, it's not a pen name it's either his first name or his middle name. Um, but it's, it seems too much of a coincidence, doesn't it?
1: It's, it's odd. But I, I saw him on TV the other day, and he, he's an interesting guy. He, um, he very much likes his genre. Uh, he, that's what fascinates him.
0: But genre, his Just genre as a concept. Yeah, well, one of his, one of his things seems to be he wants to write novels in as many genres as possible. I guess to, you know, get his head around the, 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 the norms of all the different... Me- media.
1: So, the city in the city was a detective story uh, set in this
0: strange location. So, you're talking about Perdido, Perdido Street Station, which um, I think um, Steve Frank who was on the show about a year ago, mentioned uh, some of the gene splicing elements of it. It's, it's set in this kind of se- mag- mag- semi-magical world where sort of science and magic both happen. It's kind of it's a kind of feudal, uh, very uh, very run down city. Um, at which at the centre of which is Perdido Street Station Um, it has a whole bunch of I mean I I get the impression that Mirville's pretty fascinated with like playing with how people talk to one another there's uh, one character uh, Jagorek who is a um, this this kind of um a humanoid bird character who's in exile from his people, and he claims to have committed a crime which is untranslatable. But you know, it's called you know choice theft in the second degree because their their legal system is all about um, depriving others of choices as the, the kind of the basic crime. Um, turns which
1: out- is kind of how what the law is about. The idea of having law is to allow people to do whatever they want as long as it doesn't infringe on other people doing whatever they want.
0: Right, but in, in their system, the only crimes are those which deprive others of choices. Yeah. Um, so, um, well... The, but that it, makes murder a crime. It does make murder a crime, yes, because yes, so it, it, it deprives you of the choice to live, uh, for example. So, yeah, the, as, uh, the book proceeds, and it turns out, in fact, it is translated, perfectly translatable. Uh, it was... But, but it was described as being untranslatable because some of the nuance is, is hard to carry. Which I think is true of almost any uh, people who say, oh, this, this, this expression from language X can't be translated into language Y. Like, well, it can, really, because you've just explained to me in the article what it means. It's just yeah. that it might not be able to be expressed concisely.
1: Also, I don't think that language is necessarily the same barrier. It's the... F- the old thing about uh, English and American being separated by common, common language, like British and American, uh, is that there are ways that Americans communicate things that, if you read without knowing it's from an American, you will misunderstand because. There's history. There's a whole lot of emotion built into that, which is due to the society it comes from, and even across America, presumably, there's massive differences in what people mean. Because you've got to remember, the country is hugely diverse in its population.
0: Right. There was actually a really interesting article um, I saw the other day about um, taking some information from various uh, English language guidebooks to America. Oh, not not just English language, but primarily from English language guidebooks, explaining you know used to illustrate to Americans quite how quite how surprising some customs are to people visiting the country um and and complicated some of the social norms are Um, one of the most striking i think was 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 how a japanese guidebook to america explained uh tip how tipping works in restaurants it just said but it it summarized it as basically um everything costs 20 percent more than it says it does and you are you are expected to calculate this and pay it um and no one will no one will necessarily explicitly ask you to but they will be extremely angry if you don't.
1: That sounds about right for which, the US.
0: Which, you know, is is, is, a, is a way to put it. I mean, obviously, it, it, it glosses over all the cultural reasons for that. But it's a pretty... Yeah, when, when it's expressed like that, it's a pretty ridiculous... Right, tipping is a pretty ridiculous tradition. Well, well, yeah. tipping is not, but... Different discussion. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. yeah. I recently found out, that apparently, Harry Potter was um, translated into American. Oh, really? There, there's different, because there's certain parts which, in when... J.K. Rowling wrote it, which are very British in the terminology and the words, because that's what she wanted to make this quaint Britishness. And like the fact the Flosses Stone was changed to the word Sorceress Stone, there are other things where those nuances are changed so that the people reading it will
0: understand it. Um, and there have been some some kind of more farcical stories about people replacing the word flat with apartment throughout um, you know, search and replace the word flat with apartment, and of course. Um, um, you don't ha- you don't wear an, an apartment cap. You wear a flat cap. Um, people don't get apartmented; they get flattened, and so on.
1: Well, of course, this reached brilliant levels with the current release of War and Peace on the Nook. Um, tell me more about this. So, what happened was Barnes and Noble, who had the Nook, where Amazon had the Kindle, uh, they w- paid for a company, I believe. I don't think they did it themselves to provide them with a copy of War and Peace. And the company wanted to change all the stuff that referred to the Amazon Kindle in it, so they did a search and place to change the word Kindle into Nook. However, this has a problem because Kindle is actually a word in the English language.
0: Right. They, they didn't just apply it to the stuff in the sort of headers and footers talking about the device you're reading this book on. Um, they also they, they they just replaced throughout, so you ended up with, um, you know, someone nooked the fire and stuff.
1: Yeah, and there's a great line here from a a, a blogger quoted in the um, Guardian. I was shocked. Almost immediately, I found
0: it hilarious. Then outraged. Then both.
1: <laughs> it's like you just are because it's so stupid,
0: right? And, 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 you, and you can see how it would how it would happen. Um, it's also kind of ridiculous that it was able to happen without anyone noticing.
1: Well, I suspect nobody would war- read War and Peace to check.
0: So that's a, a very <laughs> good point. Yeah, proof, proofreading that would take an extremely long time, particularly if the Kindle edition has already been proofread. Yep. Yeah, but in, in so speaking speaking of you know just dis- distributing um documents um in Podido street station there's a whole subplot about uh a, a underground revolutionary newspaper and th- this is a thing you know, this is a thing where, you know, where people would 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 sell these newspapers in um shops uh, in in um, pubs and things under the table um to those they know are interested in subverting the state and so on, which, you know, which genuinely happened in former Soviet Russia. And I, was, I learned recently that um, samizdat, as it is called, and I probably didn't pronounce that right, has kind of sprung back up in North Korea, which is not quite as isolated as people would believe it to be. And so everyone's swapping USB sticks and MP3 players containing you know, highly illegal files they've obtained from you know, over the Chinese border. It turns out that most of the highly illegal files people are swapping is South Korean pop music. I mean, this just shows for trouble with censorship is—it's it's a constant battle, right? And it's, and it's not even like something which which makes that much sense to apart from the fact that their ideology—it
1: um, makes take, a lot of sense from their point of view. But
0: well, if you're, try, if you're trying to claim that South Korea is a desolate wasteland with no culture, then it makes sense. But yeah, it—it it, it isn't even you know political material; it's just a song.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the other thing I found quite interesting was that you BBC regularly report how the. Great Chinese firewall, which is another type of censorship, uh, and this idea is this firewall stops people going outside. And all I know is a person who was in China uh, I spoke to. And they were British person in China could read the articles on the BBC website saying that the Chinese couldn't read these articles. So it's clearly far more complicated than people want to let on. I mean, they do. Whether that's because he was buying from a network provider who the Chinese knew was used by British people, so they didn't want to block them, or whether I suspect there's a lot of subtlety going on. I, I, or maybe it's just that it's hyped up in this country.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess it's very hard to tell. There's also a language barrier in, in figuring out quite quite how. Um how bad How bad or good things are from a censorship perspective because you know I, I can't read a word, a word a word of Chinese Yep, um, that is, is something I suffer. and or, I also can't speak a, um, a word of uh, Catalan, which was an issue when I had a very angry Catalan lady shouting at me the other day, but I, I managed to get through it using um, Google Translate on my phone uh, and typing typing what I wanted to say to her in and then mashing the translate button to kind of placate her. Uh, what did you do did you upset? Uh, that's a long, um, not that long a story, um, but um, the, the this this reminded me of some of the kind of augmented reality stuff, which you know people have been you know using in, sci- in sci- sci-fi for ages. Some kind of magic devices, or um, contact lenses, or in the case of um, Farscape, some kind of translator microbes, and of course uh, in Hitchhiker's Guide, the fish that swims into your ear, um, which can translate language as you see it. and
1: Am I really thinking that Google have actually got to the point now that they have a, something you can buy as a company which will translate on the fly from audio? Oh, really? I think there's something... And certainly there's been discussion that the military use it in uh, countries... This has been the American military, have something that can do live translation of the local dialects in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I thought Google were apparently involved in this, but I, it's not something you can obviously use. We, you and I can use And I, I do wonder, this whole problem sort of making mistakes...
0: Right. Well, because the uses I've seen which are, you know, available to mere mortals are things like the, um, I think it's called Word Lens or something, which is a m- mobile app which uses the camera on the back to take a, to, to, to take a video of the scene in front of you, um, translates the text it finds on the fly into your language and shows you an image as if you're looking through a kind of magic translator glass of what's behind the phone but with all the foreign language text replaced by english
1: i mean that is incredible because i've seen it you can there's a great video of someone holding up a bit of paper with words on it and it's just the real picture how it looks completely it's like Photoshopping, the language change. It's
0: incredible. Right. And, uh, but but, but uh, as you say, the, the customer mistake there is you order the wrong thing on the menu, which is not that big a deal.
1: So, yeah, apparently the um, Google Translate thing isn't actually in... Uh, it's called Conversation Mode, is now in the Google Translate for Android. Wow. It only works between English and Spanish at the moment. Uh, and it's, a, it's not apparently totally finished. But, I, yeah, I think it's coming along. How well it works, it could be fun.
0: Yeah, I guess... Well, I, I guess There'll be people trying it out who speak both languages and having conversations with themselves. Well, uh, and having a laugh. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, I, I can see that it could be useful, although there's, there's, the, there's the problems of, you know, when you're overseas, you probably don't have data, which is an issue for...
1: Or if you do, it costs a fortune.
0: Yeah. Well, um, perhaps it's worth it, and perhaps that's the kind of problem which will solve, it, solve itself in the end. And I wonder if it will translate obscenities, because one of the... Um, in in Farscape these translator microbes for, for reasons which are never quite explained don't translate the obscenities into English so they leave them as sort of strange alien words well, which I, is extremely convenient
1: it's very convenient for UK censors, but I don't know it's it's something I just it's sort of almost accepted that there are words that don't translate as we were talking about earlier where there's things like oh it's because it doesn't have an equivalent word but you, most of the time it translation is not a word-to-word thing it's you have to take more i mean anyone who's done a GCSE in a foreign language knows you don't just translate each word down the page because otherwise all you do is pull out your dictionary and copy you know there is more to it so i'm a bit surprised that well it seems to be one of these fictional things that is constantly accepted that are words that cannot be translated and will be replaced by a borrowed word
0: but it's uh, people seem to get on with their lives just around it
1: we do have borrowed words in english and french we do french hate borrowed
0: words But but, but, we could could fill a whole show with that. But unfortunately, we're out of time for this show for that.